Hello. Um, I don't know everybody here, but I'm Becca, and it is always a challenge and fun and sometimes scary to come up and teach. Um, and Epiphany was has been a, a more unique challenge for me this week to prepare for. So I'll tell you a little bit about why, but um, I guess first I'll just say that this is not normal. I don't know if you can see. I have a nice little there. Um, and I'll tell you what happened, because if I don't, then you'll just be wondering. So last night I'm cooking dinner, and I'm not a great cook, and I don't love cooking. It's a, an act of service, an act of love toward my family. So I'm, you know, kind of, it's like a chaotic whirlwind in the kitchen. It's not an organized situation. So I'm doing all my things, and if any of you were at our last Relationship Roots class, and we were talking about things that we do that irritate our loved ones, I told you something I do that Ryan's not a super big fan of, is that I leave kitchen cabinets open. He says it's like poltergeist comes through when I've been working in the kitchen. Um, So true to form. And I remember somebody, when I had said that, maybe, I don't know, I think it might have been, somebody said, oh, that's dangerous. Well, yeah. So I'm cooking, 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 and then I have to sneeze. And I have food all around me. So I've done this before, and it's never been a problem. But instead of the this, because there's food, like, I'm kind of surrounded. I have my countertops. I do, like, a headbang kind of a sneeze. So I can sneeze down there. So I'm like, ha-choo! And my cabinet that was open encountered my face. (laughs) And that hurt. And that was all. And I was like... (laughs) Wow. And I put ice on it and then realized there was blood on the ice. Like, what did I do? So anyway, I don't know why it's not black and blue, but it's nice little gash and maybe I should have gotten stitches. Yeah. Yeah, maybe in two days. So that was that. It was only the end of kind of a long string of things that made me feel like this talk was... I guess just maybe for me to persevere and get to this point, but it was a doozy of a week or two in preparing. So um, as Scott talked about, Epiphany is this celebration of God with us, Um, the divinity becoming man. And the first people that kind of reflected on that and celebrated that were these wise men from the East. We don't know a lot about them, but... You guys might know the story. It's only told in um, the gospel, Matthew's gospel. But So I just kept going back to the story of these three men traveling and what they did and how they came to worship this baby Jesus. And as I'm reading this and rereading it, going, this is what I do when I prepare to talk anywhere. Just I ask God, what do you have for this community? What do you have for us to take away? What challenge? What lesson? Like, Holy Spirit, just show me, stir something in me. And he does, and that's how it works. I feel stirred, and I say, okay, this is where we're going, and it's great, and we partner, me and God, and it's happy. But this time, I just kept reading the story, and it was like, just nothing. Nothing felt like God was giving me a nugget. And not that his word is active and living, I believe all those things, but it was just like, it was so obviously just me trying to make something happen. Um, And that felt so hard. And it was 
terrifying to think about coming up and standing in front of people and just giving you Becca, because like, I really am not that interesting, and I don't have a lot to tell, teach you. Um, it is only God and his spirit that can give anything that's worthwhile. So um, I was feeling super frustrated. And then Friday comes along. I'm still just not there. And, and then Cindy and Marianelle and Denise were all at my house for um, a meeting. And I know that I need to work on this. And we have a meeting. But then... I have my septic tank coming, guys coming to pump my septic, and I haven't ever lived, we've never done that before because this is a new house to us, and I've never had a septic tank before. So we come out, and um, he starts, I don't know what to tell him. Like, I know we don't have sprinklers, and yeah, I don't know where the septic tank is. Like, good luck. I don't know. This is your job, right? Like, find it. So he comes, knock, knock, knock. Well, I hit something, so I go out there, and he found our water line to our house and hit it and broke it, and so then I had to call the plumber, and it's my, not my fault, but my responsibility, because I signed this waiver saying whatever it said. I didn't read it. Apparently, it said if he hits my main water line, it's not his problem. So anyways, all of this, and I'm kind of rolling with it, like whatever, it's fine. But um, knowing my husband, he's going to ask me, like, what did the waiver say? And I'm going to say, I don't know. I didn't read it. And so he's already gone, and the plumber's here now. And I thought it would be, like, a couple hundred dollars to the plumber. But we're out of the hundreds now, like, because it was an emergency, because it was our main water line. We're, like, beyond hundreds of dollars. So I'm like, I need to do my due diligence and call the septic tank company and just say, like, hey, so, like, can you send me a copy of the waiver just in case maybe you know, so I can show my head. I don't know, just so. But the lady was so mean to me. I was very kind. And I wasn't trying to, like, get money. I was just saying, hey, can I? And she just was super mean. And I just started crying after I hung up with her. And I was just called Ryan, and I'm a mess, and whatever. So all that happened. And then I had a terrible headache, and all that happened. Because I, when I cry, I get headaches, really bad headaches. And I still had nothing to talk to you about on Sunday morning. So, but God. So the next morning, Saturday, yesterday, God, I was just like, God, I feel like you becoming man is what we want to talk about at Epiphany. Like, Okay, so just the background. It is one of the oldest feast days in the Christian tradition. It might have even predated celebrating Christmas. Epiphany, this idea that something crazy just happened. God moved in. So in the West, we, we started celebrating Epiphany in the 4th century. Um, and we talk about the wise men, the three kings coming to worship. Eastern tradition focused more on the baptism of Jesus. Um, saying, like, this is divinity meeting mankind at that baptism moment. Um, but as I was wrestling with all this, I was struck by the fact that um, it's an epiphany, an enlightening moment. Like, when was I enlightened personally? How did that happen? When did I have that moment of, God, you met me 
because you cared enough to come. So it's a mystery. It's a celebration of this crazy mystery. So as I was praying yesterday, God, where can I turn for something to talk about about this mystery? I just felt like God said, John. I love John. He is um, my favorite, one of my, probably my favorite author in the Bible because he is a man who is a poet. He's probably the first Christian mystic. He doesn't really define things black and white. He's not your scientist. He's your artist. He's going to express things in a different way. So I turn to John 1, and it talks about the mystery of God becoming man. So before we read that, let me pray that all of that craziness that happened leading up to this would just fall to the wayside for me and my heart, because I'm still unsettled by it. Um, and that God would meet us here in this mystery. So, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you give um, that you give your Holy Spirit for understanding and insight. That you give this word to us, and that there are different people that have contributed to the Bible, so that we can hear different voices to express this mystery of divinity meeting mankind. And I pray today, Lord, that you would settle my heart, settle our hearts, so that we can hear your voice. Amen. So first thing I'm going to do is read John 1, and then we'll talk about it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In a lot of ways, I just want to sit down there because... It feels, I, who can do justice to that kind of language and that kind of picture of holiness meeting mankind. But we'll, we'll keep going. <clears throat> I love the vision that I get when I read, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He became flesh. Divinity became flesh. 
and tabernacled here with us. That's what happened at Christmas. It reminds me of Philippians 2, 6 through 7, which says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to or grasp, but instead he gave up his divine privilege and took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. We talk a lot about the sacrifice that Jesus made at Easter on the cross when he willingly went to the cross and died. But what about the sacrifice he made at Christmas? The sacrifice of giving up his privilege, his position. He was the very breath of God. And he left that to become a baby in a manger for you and me. That is sacrifice. And something else that John says that just jumps out of the page. Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who do receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. And I just have to ask myself, How am I receiving Christ? What kind of host am I? One of my best friends, Kathy, lives in Los Angeles. And whenever I go to visit her, it's like royalty has arrived. And I'm the royalty. She has my room set up perfectly. She's thought of everything. Things that I wouldn't even consider. She has an air purifier and a diffuser. And she's always baked homemade fresh bread and she says what kind of cocktail would you like and it's all it's amazing to receive that kind of hospitality and to be honest I am not always the most gracious host with Christ I'm super familiar and that's okay but I think it it can breed this casual, cavalier attitude. He sacrificed so much to be with me. And I often shrug it off. I don't don't have a lot of time right now, God. I've got three little kids, and I'm going to get to this. I know that our relationship is paramount in my life, but next year will be our year, Lord. Or, you know, the tyranny of the urgent. We have so many things that are really important to take care of. And Jesus is always going to be there. He's always going to wait. But God came to us to impart his love and truth. And let's make room for him. And I just want you to know that it would be the most hypocritical thing for me to stand up here and say that like I do it all the time. So I don't. But his mercies are new every morning. Amen? And so let's start being good hosts for the Lord. And also, what does Jesus teach with the parable? The king says, when you've done for the least of these... You have done for me.
And so we, we receive Jesus when we receive the least of these among us. And if you don't know how to find the least of these, let's talk later. They're all around us. They're the ones that are hurting, impoverished in spirit, monetarily. There are people wasting away all around us in their hearts. Those are the least of these. Let's reach out. Let's find them. Let's recognize that is Christ in our midst. That is Christ giving us an opportunity to receive him and receive him well. How am I at receiving Christ today? Consider what it cost him to come. The second thing that jumps out at me from John. So he talks about Jesus being full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. He says it a few times. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We hear those words a lot. Grace, truth. can be very familiar again. We just wanted to think, like, what does that look like? He comes to my life full of grace and truth. And I love this image. Grace being Jesus standing before me, brimming with unearnable love. Unearnable love. That's what grace is. Perfect love that we can't earn. There's nowhere else in your life that you're going to meet up with love that is unearnable, except with Jesus, with God. If that's not powerful to you, maybe just take it home and think about it. How do I react? What is my response to someone that stands with a gift that I cannot earn and just wants to freely lavish it on me? It's awkward, I think. We want to we earn things. I want to earn someone's approval. I don't want approval for nothing. It doesn't seem right. I think we have to learn how to respond to God's grace. It's a process of humility. I can't do anything more to make you love me any more than you do. And I can't do anything. I will never mess up big enough to make you love me less, one little bit less. That's crazy love. And then he's full of truth. What does that mean? I started looking into it, and this word truth is really not used in the New Testament much. It's not used in the other letter, the other, um, I mean, sorry, the other Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't really use this word truth. John uses truth a lot. The Spirit is truth. Jesus is full of grace and truth. And then in the epistles, it's not used much except in John's epistles. He likes this word, truth. And so as I'm reading through his different ways that he uses the word truth, something comes to me, and it it reminds me, and I don't know if this is normal for people that work in construction, but my dad, 
doesn't work in construction. He's one of those people that just likes to mess things up a lot and pretend that he knows what he's doing. But when he would, I was around and I was little, and he would like remodel houses and our houses. And he would always say, you have to true it. You have to make it true. Is this something that other people say in construction? Nate? Meh? Maybe. What does that mean? What does it mean to make something true when you're building? Straight. Plumb. And so I was just shocked. Like, John is telling us Jesus is our true. He is our perfect true. And something else I learned as I was looking into this is in physics, which I really don't know anything about physics, but apparently there is no way to measure perfectly these numbers that they're measuring. So they just have like, they're hoping that they hit true in a what a range. But like in these crazy calculations, they're just going for the range and hoping true's in there somewhere. And Jesus is true. He is our true I love that. He's full of grace, and he is our true. I can go into the new year with that as my hope. That the Jesus that I know that lives in me is full of grace and perfectly true. Because... I think we're just bombarded left and right with images here in this world that we live in. Images that we're trying to keep up with. Fashion, uh, success financially. You know, we all just got through the Christmas commercials, the bow ties or the big bows on the Mercedes Benz. Those are images that are saying something to us. This is life. This is goodness. This is what it's about. And when you have this, you will be true, maybe. Here's another thing about images, is that we are image bearers. You and I are created in the image of God. And a lot of the time, I don't feel that. Like, 99.9% of the time that I'm alive, I'm not going, God, I recognize that I bear the image of God Almighty. That's not how I live my life. But it's true. That true, Jesus' true is in me. And it's in you. And he is saying, come back to that true. Remember who you are this year. Do not be tempted to go to the left or to the right, but come back to true north. The image of God in you that Jesus is birthing again and again every day. That is our gift at Christmas. That is our gift in this new year. Something else happened as I was preparing for this. It was after, so Friday night and crying, crying, crying headache, 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 and like, I don't know when a headache becomes a migraine, but it was a bad headache, and it hurt, and I was just in bed trying to, like, you know, I'd taken the medicine, kids were with Ryan, I was in the dark, like, feeling terrible about the money that was 
whatever. Was that any of that my fault? I don't know. And then also just feeling disheartened and terrible that I had nothing to talk to you all about. And um, I'm just laying there. I'm like, I know that this headache is going to go away and it's going to be okay. I'm going to be able to work on this talk tomorrow. And I, you know, this doesn't happen all the time, but I really, God spoke and said, this is Satan. And I'm not that type of person that I'm like looking for a demon behind every bush, but I sat up in bed and I recognized like right after I heard that, I have been feeling like I'm not preparing well for this talk. Like, I'm not hearing God because me. Like, I'm not doing it right. I'm not reading the right way or praying enough or being humble enough. I don't know what it is, but obviously I'm not doing something. And God just said, this is Satan. I said, okay. Satan, I know what to tell you. And so I told him, and then I got out of bed, and I went and played a board game with my family, and I woke up Sunday morning, and God met me. But it was so important for me to recognize that voice that I had been listening to that was saying, you have got this wrong. There's something about you that isn't hearing from God. It was so freeing for me to say, no, God will meet me. God is faithful. Satan, get out of the way so we can make this happen. And so I don't know if this is for someone here or just for me, but maybe there's something in your life this year that just feels too hard or too big or too scary, and you feel like it's too scary because you just weren't made for that thing. There's something about you that's off, and so you're just kind of done with that thing because it it doesn't feel right. And maybe God just needs to remind you that Jesus in you is enough. It is sufficient. It is the true north and it is yours and it is mine. And we can own that and walk in it and trust it. And if Satan is lying to you, and I hate how Satan lies because his lies are so close to the truth. They're so close. They're just a one-off oftentimes. And so they're so believable. But remember, God is true. Jesus with us is true. And he loves you so perfectly and so abundantly. Cling to that this year. Walk in that this year. Walk with confidence that God will meet you that he is sufficient in all things. One thing that I do love about the story of the three kings is that they came to worship Jesus. And they bowed and worshipped him. Because I think that's the only response we can have when we reflect on mystery. The mystery of God has to cause us to just fall flat on our face and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. After worship, Ryan leaned over to me and said, good luck topping that. (laughs) Because this morning was so beautiful and such a gift. But I do want to end just worshiping God today. 
Ryan's teaching on the kids, uh, the, the Great Commission, and when Jesus calls the disciples up onto a mountain after his resurrection. And I don't, and he's told me that this happened. I'm like, I don't remember that. In Matthew, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to meet. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. What was that like? They worshipped him. They knew him so well. I think I'm comfortable with Jesus. He was their constant companion. And they, I don't know what it looked like, but I want to say they probably fell down and worshipped God. So today, you know, we often close with kingdom time, we call it. We maybe ask questions or talk or pray, and I'm always here to pray. So if you want prayer, let's meet over there. But for a few minutes, let's just worship. However that looks to you. Maybe just get quiet and reflect on what the light of the world coming into darkness means to you. Or ask yourself, what, what kind of host am I to Christ? What kind of host do I want to be? What kind of mercies do I need this year? Let's spend some time reflecting, praying. Pray out loud. Pray with someone. Pray silently. I'm not going to tell you how it should be done. I will close us in a few minutes.